0: Welcome to Instagram Live, everyone. We are coming to you from Virginia, the day after the March for Life. And we had an important live that we needed to do. Welcome, I don't go live on here nearly enough, but we're gonna try to do that more often. We're gonna have our guest and dear friend, Dr. Brent Bowles, on the show in just one moment because the culture of death is experiencing another iteration in its ever morphing nature especially in the post roe versus wade moment the abortion industrial complex the culture of death has been forced to constantly mutate to re-strategize their attempts to wipe out the pre-born children in our midst, and to target anyone who would dare stand against that culture of death. So thanks to the Biden administration, the FDA, and the abortion industrial complex, pharmacies will now be turned into abortion mills. Oh, and by the way, if you work at a pharmacy and you're pro-life and you don't want to help prescribe and sell RU 486. The abortion pill that uh, cuts off all hormone, cuts off the hormone progesterone, so the baby starves to death, and then misoprostol, which forces your uterus to have contractions, and Planned Parenthood has you sit on the toilet, so the American sewage system becomes the abortion industry's disposal system. Uh, yeah, if you don't want to play party to that, well, you're fired. And so, uh, if you guys aren't aware, there's already a lawsuit. There's already a lawsuit of a of a wonderful pro life woman who was fired from a pharmacy for not wanting to do this. There is a shareholders meeting. Um, Let's see, today is Saturday, January 21st. I believe there is a shareholders meeting for CVS in Newport Beach next Friday, uh, whatever date that is, next Friday. And my friend AJ Hurley and some activists will be there. Um, I won't be able to make it, but look for more information from AJ Hurley. Go Go follow survivors, go follow AJ Hurley on Instagram and go follow live action for any updates. If you wanna go be a pain in the ass, a stick in the eye and a fly in the ointment to the abortion complex um, at the shareholders meeting as the pharmacies of America are now going to be holding and selling the RU486 abortion pill. Um, can everyone hear me? Someone just said, can't get sound. Um, I'm hoping that that's just um, a one person's device. Um, we will also be sharing this as a podcast episode on Unaborted with Seth Gruber very soon uh, after the birth of my first child, my third child in December. We're uh, <laughs> fell off the podcast schedule a little bit there. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for saying you can hear me. Just want to make sure. So we're gonna bring Dr. Brent Bowles in here in, in just one second. If you have any questions for Dr. Brent, um, you can put those in here so we can address those towards the ends of the show. We want to make this more of an interactive. Podcast episode to to flip this later for my podcast because this is a just another example of the breaking edges of the culture of death. Uh, crazy, huh? The first thing the Biden administration did was to uh, uh, one of the first things uh, was to enshrine mail order murder, uh, snail mail abortions. You don't have to have a safety regulations or in-person meetings with a physician before you get the abortion pill. You can just ship it to a woman's, to a woman's mailbox. And now they wanna put them in pharmacies as well. So, um, as we bring uh, Dr. Brent Bowles in here, uh, prepare your questions and buckle up, you're in for a treat. Good morning. Hey, Dr. Brent.
1: You're welcome. Good morning, thank Glad you for joining us
0: again. Yes, you're the man. You're the most rebooked uh, guest of my podcast, as you well know, uh, because you're you're a powerful voice and you're armed with stats like um, some ninja is with knives, and uh, this is why the abortion industry fears you so much, and. Uh, never wants you to give expert testimony <laughs> in, uh, in lawsuits or in cases. And so we, we appreciate you. Guys, uh, again, prepare any questions you might have for Dr. Brent Bowles during our live here um, and share this widely uh, as well as when it's posted on Unaborted because this will be an important conversation. So, <clears throat> Dr. Brent, we're here in Virginia. Uh, we were at the March for Life yesterday. And one of the most important conversations the pro-life movement now has to have, unfortunately, is how to respond to this ever uh, morphing and mutating Leviathan uh, that uh, we call the abortion industry and all of its various Leviathan tentacles that continue to weave their way through every little institution and sort of nook and cranny that they can uh, to put the culture of death on steroids. And the most recent example of this now is putting the RU486 uh, Mifeprex and Misoprostol abortion pill into pharmacies. Uh, there's a lawsuit right now of a pro-life woman who was already fired from a pharmacy for not wanting to prescribe, sell, or play party to the abortion pill. So um, before we jump into that, Dr. Brent, there are many people <clears throat> um, who don't fully understand how the abortion pill works. Um, I get asked all the time, like, what's the difference between the the pill and but then the abortion pill? but then uh, plan, what's plan B? And so there sometimes there's a little bit of confusion. So uh, plan B or the morning after pill is taken like if you didn't wear protection and it's the morning after. The pill is just, you know, that women go on when they're having sex to hopefully not get pregnant. But we're talking about the abortion pill, which you take after you know you're pregnant. Uh, and up until 10 weeks. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dr. Ben, I've been told by Politico, let's see, this was from last year. Uh, don't you know, mifepristone has very few risk at, all, at risk at all. Uh, they said it is more safe than over-the-counter med- medications like ibuprofen and Tylenol. Um, and uh, Planned Parenthood President Cecile Richards, of course, in a Los Angeles Times opinion editorial from a few years ago, said the same thing. The abortion pill, it's actually safer than Tylenol. Um, so why don't you give us a lay of the land? It's been a while since we've had you on, Dr. Brent. So kind of just do that overview, bring us up to speed on what RU486 is, how it functions, and then, and then lastly, um, what's the true data? Uh, about the risks of the abortion pill that the abortion industry completely ignores when they claim that it's like safer than surgical abortion, that it's safer than Tylenol.
1: Yes, that's a great introduction. Um, The RU486 or Mifeprex or Mifepristone, those are the three different names for it, um, is a medication or chemical that once someone has, has a positive pregnancy test and they want to terminate the pregnancy. And it does so by interfering with the natural intended function of progesterone, which is progesterone is a hormone. The two primary uh, hormones in a woman's body are estrogen and progesterone in terms of you know, their uh, reproductive cycle. And the progesterone is crucial for the success and growth uh, of a pregnancy. Well, if you interfere with the action of progesterone, causing the body to, um, in a way, believe that the progesterone is deficient, then you cause the loss of the pregnancy. Uh, The blood flow into the uterus and into the placenta decreases. You essentially suffocate and starve uh, the intrauterine human being that that is present. Um, And then if it doesn't expel spontaneously, you give a medication that basically induces first trimester labor uh, called misoprostol or cyanotec. Um, So that is the the way that medication or chemical abortion works. And it is what, as you pointed out, um, they like to promote the safety of it. They have been relentless in trying to convince the American public that there is no issue with safety that uh, women are not harmed by using this to terminate pregnancies and that it's safer than Tylenol. Well, I can tell you as a practicing physician for, um, well, it's now been more than 30 years since I graduated from medical school, I've never taken a woman to surgery and had to work to save her life because she took Tylenol. I have had to do that because she took Mifeprex, um, including very recently. Um, so uh, that's just an outright lie uh, to say that it is safe as Tylenol. In fact, the best data, uh, when you look at data objectively, says that medication or chemical abortion is actually four times more likely to result in a significant adverse event or complication than a surgical abortion, than just into surgical abortion clinic and having a DNC um, in the first trimester uh, you are four times more likely to wind up in the emergency room getting emergency care to save your life if you did the termination with uh, the chemical mifepristone instead of having it done surgically. So that's objective data. It's objective data that
0: Yeah. And and you've yeah, you've talked about that before in the show. It's it's uh, data out of Finland. Is that Dice right
1: from Finland? Look at their centralized data. Uh, and look at all treatment for pregnancies. They they have socialized medicine there, completely socialized single payer, so every encounter with the healthcare system is recorded, whether it's with an abortion provider or with um, a hospital or with a private gynecologist. Uh, it doesn't matter who they see, every encounter with the healthcare system is reported so it's comprehensive. Unlike the safety data in the United States, 22 wow. states report no data on complications or deaths to the CDC, and 28 states have requirements to report complications but don't enforce those requirements. Uh, also in the United states, more than wow. 60% of women who have a complication after an abortion are not seen by their abortion provider. They're seen in the emergency rooms. They're seen in the offices of their pathologists. Hmm. And those things are almost never reported as abortion complications. So there is no data set in the States that can wow. be used to talk about safety and um so they're they're being very very self serving and disingenuous they try to tell us that uh, medication abortion is safer
0: than Tylenol. It is not right. Right, well, wow. so um, Dr. Brent, th- that was a very helpful primer here. We had a great uh, comment here on our, on our live together uh, and I appreciate it, so I wanna speak to it and then put the ball back in your court. Uh, someone said, the abortion pill's not safe, it kills a baby. C- correct, absolutely. Um, the reason why this conversation is helpful, guys, and why um, we want you to listen and to share this, because Dr. Brent's gonna share more data as well, and expose a lot of the absolute hypocrisy and double standards of those who say that, hey, while we don't care about the life of the baby, we do care for the mother, right? While we, hey, while, while we while we may be pro-choice, we would never, in, we're never intentionally endanger the health and well-being of patients, of course, meaning the patient, they only mean to be the mother. Um, and Dr. Brent's going to expose how much this industry and the people behind it are just as eager and willing to treat the mothers and women as a sacrifice on the altar of abortion access as they already are to treat the unborn child. Um, and so 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 this is why this is important. Listen, we're not having this conversation <laughs> because um, we believe, well, abortion's wrong because it harms women. <laughs> we're not having this conversation because we're saying this is so bad, the abortion pill is gonna harm women. The, the reason why it's evil is because it kills babies, innocent human beings. And now the unborn is more of a target through these deadly abortion pills because Rose overturned. And according to um according to I think the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, yes, but several other groups as well, Brent. Uh, Two years ago, the abortion pill accounted for 50% 50 of the nation's abortions. They're going to try to ramp that up now. So children are going to become more targeted. But listen, listen. The reason why it's important to talk about the safety or lack thereof of the abortion pill to the women is because it's so overwhelmingly clear that the abortion pill harms women. It is extremely dangerous. That data out of Finland that Dr. Brent referred to shows that it's actually four times more dangerous for women than surgical abortions. Um, So far from being safer than Tylenol, this, this puts women at risk. And so if you can prove that, and you're equipped to use the data to argue this effectively, it, for all intents and purposes, exposes the abortion industry for the kind of evil demons that they are. That you don't care about the health care of women. You excitedly rush in to harm the very women you say you exist to serve. Okay, guys, so that's why this is important. Now, um, Dr. Brent,
1: this
0: is the new, this is the new breaking edge now. They want the abortion pill in pharmacy. So um, give us an update on kind of how this happened, who's behind this, okay? Um, and, and then let's talk about, of course, the, uh, the hypocrisy and the coverage of- Well, the- I want to reiterate what you just said. Yes,
1: you and I, people who are pro-life, pro-women, pro-science, um, we know that abortion is wrong because each and every induced abortion ends the life of a living, not yet born human being. Um, not even gonna get in, into the semantics like they do of whether it's, oh, it's a fetus, it's not a baby. It, it is it is a living, but not yet born human being and no one can say otherwise, uh tell the truth. Each induced abortion ends the life of a living, but not yet born human being. And that makes it wrong. But what, doubly wrong is that the abortion industrial complex promotes this fiction while they ignore the status of they really eliminate the concept of human rights because the most important human right is the right to life and the human the right to life for each and every if you pick out any class of human beings and take away their right to life. Then no one really has a right to life. They have the privilege of life because they're in a class that's been dehumanized. Right. Um, it was the same concept in the 50s that resulted in a Supreme Court decision that said that black people weren't people because they and they weren't entitled to rights and um, that. So it's it's the same thing. Seven, 1973 Roe said that living but not yet. born beings are not right people and don't have rights. So it's the same thing. Um, but what we are doing in this discussion today is outlining the, uh, demonstrating the hypocrisy uh, of those who claim to be all about women's health and highlighting the lies that they tell to convince women that there are no consequences for terminating a pregnancy. Um, we've done some, um, podcasts together that have outlined a lot of that data very, very thoroughly. Um, but today you, you want to talk about what they're, what they're, uh, the agenda has been to make access to Bristone, um, very easy, even to the point that in some places there was a push to have it available in vending machines. So it's. That's right. You're, <laughs> you cannot say that you're about women's health uh, and that you care about women's health when, um, when this is the, the, the process that you're pursuing. Uh, and there were yeah. initially, uh, when the FDA approved Mifaprex for use in the United States in the year 2000, there were restrictions. Those restrictions were um, adjusted. I think in 2016, 2000, maybe 2012, but they were they were initially placed and then they were adjusted and they were still pretty good. But what they required was that each person who is going to receive a dose of mifepristone to terminate a pregnancy do so in the office of a provider who was certified to provide it um, safely, as if that was even possible. Uh, to be sure that the woman took it, that she didn't take it and go somewhere else and then give it to another person uh, to ensure that it was an intrauterine pregnancy and not an ectopic. And the it within the gestational age limits all are safety issues. They were all safety issues. We know from very good data, multiple sources that the farther along you are when you attempt a chemical abortion, the greater your likelihood of an incomplete process with... Uh, life-threatening hemorrhage and infection uh, and other complications. So you need to be sure that you're in the right gestational age. You need to be sure that it's a pregnancy that's inside the uterus and not an ectopic. And those on our side, um, including the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs, worked very hard to try to convince the FDA and other regulatory bodies that uh, these, the restriction, the risk evaluation and mitigation strategy, the REMS uh, requirements that were on the use of Mifeprex remain in place because of those safety issues. Um, but the other side has right. for the ability to prescribe it and bill for prescribing it and make it easy to get by mailing it to the patient or by just sending a prescription to a pharmacy where a pharmacist is required to dispense the medication and participate in the process of a child. Um, Absolutely no attention paid to the undeniable fact that many women will be wrong about their gestational age if they're not assessed in person that Uh, Even if you ask about risk factors for ectopic pregnancy, you will miss 50% of the ectopic pregnancies. And I have seen women who have come. Emergency room at my hospital with ruptured ectopic pregnancies after taking uh, mifepristone. Who have to be rushed to the operating room and undergo emergency surgery to um, remove the pregnancy, to treat the bleeding, and to, in most cases, give them blood transfusions to save their life. It it ha- it's happened multiple times with patients that I in one hospital, in one city. And to, to think that that's not happening everywhere else is um, ludicrous. Um,
0: well, to bolster what you just said too, Dr. Brent, um, we texted a couple of years back when this was happening. And you told me that at, at any one point with uh, when you were still full-time uh, OBGYN in Nashville, um, at any one point, uh, you were saying, I think, uh, maybe up to 100 women or something like that. Uh, and you, you said about 50% of them uh, were one to four weeks off or wrong, um, how far along they thought they were gestationally. And so. But now, so now I just did your anecdote. Now let's go data. According to a committee opinion from ACOG on dating pregnancies, Up to 50% of women will be wrong about their gestational age when only relying on recall of their last menstrual period. Um, And so this is to summarize what you just said for you guys listening. What Dr. Brent is saying is when the Biden administration said no more safety regulations on the sale of the abortion pill, you don't have to show up in person anymore. Well, that meant that you didn't have to do an ultrasound on a woman wanting the abortion pill, which means that you can't get a confirmed date of gestational age and you can't rule out ectopic pregnancies. So now you're sending women home to who would have ectopic pregnancies to have their fallopian tube rupture and then bleed out internally and die. Um, or to take the abortion pill because they think they're eight weeks along, but maybe they're 12 weeks along. Maybe they're 13 weeks along. And now the baby who may or may not have been killed um is floating around dead in the uterus, making moms susceptible to sepsis and death. So uh, the, the abortion industry does all this, knowing this full well, right? And what happens, Dr. Brent, when you and I and others screamed about what would be coming? that That pro choicers should want to avoid what happened when we, when we when we screamed these warnings? the predictable okay, okay, response okay, was that
1: they wanted to minimize the risks and minimize the dangers, so they they produced a ton of literature uh, that you know had the pseudo respectability of being published in peer reviewed journals, but those journals are always uh, pro abortion journals'm going to read a conclusion line. From an article titled effectiveness safety and acceptability of no test medical abortion uh, provided via telemedicine published in the british journal of obstetrics and gynecology in uh, march of 2021 the conclusion was this model for medical abortion that includes no test and treatment without an ultrasound is effective safe acceptable, and improves access to care. And then in a cute little line in the uh, abstract, it gives you a tweetable abstract. Uh, Compelling evidence from 52,142 women shows no test abortion is safe, effective, and improves care. Now, this article, um, you know, nothing in the abstract here about this article that talks about their methods and their results and what they looked at mentions nothing mentions the risk of ectopic pregnancy and what happens to women. They ignored it as if it was not an issue because they didn't want the rims to stay in place. They didn't, they wanted to portray us as being just, you know, chicken little crying, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. And that's not the truth at all. We, you know, Men are being treated quite frequently in emergency rooms of the United States of America for complications from ruptured ectopics after they've taken medication abortion. So, and that's just one risk. Another study where they were discussing the so-called safety of telemedicine and no-test abortion admitted that one of the women in their group actually delivered a stillborn 33-week pregnancy at home after taking medication because she was that far off on her due date. But in spite of reporting and acknowledging that that actually happened in their treatment group, they still concluded that it's safe. Um, What young woman wants to go through the unexpected delivery of a dead 33-week baby at home with no assistance, no epidural, no pain medication, and then dealing with the trauma of having her dead baby fall out at home. Um, and that's called. Grief. Well, so when, when the abortion industry's need was to um, to um, <clears throat> promote the safety they mocked us, our concerns about gestational age and
0: um, um,
1: ectopic pregnancy, but now Dobbs has passed. So some states don't allow any abortions, some states don't allow medical abortions. Um, So that's um, a, we now see their response. Um, This, the next article I'm gonna talk about, Um, let's see what I've got here.
0: And while you pull that out, Dr. Brent, for those of you and anyone who wants to do their own research, because of course the entire activist media infrastructure, Dr. Brent, almost all parroted these lines. When pro-lifers raised our concerns, the overwhelming media infrastructure response was, at home and telemedicine abortions are safe and it's not going to increase patient health and well-being of course again excluding the preborn as a patient just meaning the mother um, but if, for those who would do their research right and, and and find these stories there are stories there's one in particular a couple years ago dr. Brent um, a year and a half two years ago of a father who found his teenage daughter dead in the bathroom floor on the bathroom floor now why well, because she had an ectopic pregnancy and she got the abortion pill without being tested. And, and this is an important point. You shared this one on the show once, Dr. Brett. The, um, the effects and physical experience of mifepristone of the first regimen of the abortion pill is actually similar to pressure and pain you might feel when your fallopian tube is close to bursting. So they're thinking, well, this kind of experience and pressure I was told would be normal after I take the abortion pill, but really her fallopian tube's about to burst. And so there are families who have found their daughters or roommates who have found their friends dead on the bathroom floor um, as a result of the removal of required in-person evaluations with a physician before the abortion pill. So guys, let's parrot this talking point again. This is proof positive beyond a shadow of a doubt. You need say nothing more that the abortion industry hates pregnant women. They view them as prospects for a sale. And if they have to intentionally harm or take their life to and, and alter it on the sacrifice of abortion access, because the abortion pill, Dr. Brent, let's be honest, cheap to manufacture and sell at high margins... In this post-Roe moment, oh, they'll happily do that. They won't. They won't hesitate to do that. So, so if you find your do your research, you'll you'll find all of this. Go ahead.
1: You know they they're not spending high margin.
0: Say that again. No
1: overhead. They they're not paying to uh, right. run a surgery center. They're not paying to employ physicians who are good enough to get staff privileges at a local hospital and take care of the complications. Um, they're, they're saving money all the way around on this because there's very overhead to selling it online or telemedicine anyway. Um, so the article that just came out, uh, published with an online source called MedPage Today, uh, author Amanda D'Ambrosio, um, initially published January 18th of this year uh, updated on the 19th um, talking about the dangers of self-managed abortion. So you now you would think when you first read the title, that's from a um, an author that wants to be intellectually honest, but it's not. Um, here's, here's what this article produced or talks about the, the, The two physicians that they talk about or that they, uh, whose input they accepted, um, one of them you're not familiar with, but the other one you are. Uh, The one you're not familiar with, uh, I looked her up and in the article, they don't acknowledge, um, they they present what she says as being, you know, expert um, dialogue. Um, She's a second year resident. She is oh, wow not even halfway done with her training that would allow her to function independently without supervision. Um, wow. So what she points out in a stunning lack of self-awareness of the hypocrisy of what she's saying um, is that she is supporting, you know, the, Institution of abortion, she clearly views it as a a reproductive right, um, and after all of the effort by the abortion industry to talk about how, how safe it is, how safe it, how much safer it is than Tylenol, how women are not going to be harmed by getting it without any testing or supervision, um, and how the The RIMS restrictions had to be lifted so that it could be mailed to anybody by any website or all of that. She she supports all of that. But now now that Dobbs has made it possible for some states to regulate or restrict abortion, causing some women in those states to seek illegal provision of abortion so that they can take it in a no-test telemedicine-style format, and remember they they said, "You know you don't have to do ultrasounds and testing beforehand because it's safe to take." She says, after reporting on a case where a twenty two year old patient uh, came in with a ruptured ectopic after taking Mifeprex, um she says, and I'm quoting. Providers should consider c- obtaining an ultrasound and obsess beta human chorionic gonadotropin levels for women presenting with a history of medication abortion. That didn't—they just tell you that they could with wow. the rims could be gone, could go away, and you could sell it in vending machines, and you could sell it online, mail it to people, and you could give it out in pharmacies without the person ever having to sit and speak to a provider, didn't they just sell that position to get the fda to the rims? But now they're saying, oh, Big Bang Jobs wow. is evil and wicked because now women are gonna get Mifeprax without being supervised and they're gonna die of it. Which is it? What level of, of um, delusional level and lack of self-awareness in what you're saying is required to have supported the unrestricted dispensation of this pill, but now to say that if women die of ectopics, it's going to be the fault of Dobbs. So, the physician that you're wow. familiar with who jumped on the bandwagon here is Dr. Daniel Grossman. Uh, I know you know him. Yep. Um, so he goes, um, symptoms such
0: and he's an he's an, he's an abortion trainer, by the way, for everyone listening um, at uh, at yeah at UCSF and the, is it the Bixby Center for Reproductive Health or something like this? But he he works with a couple pro-abortion organizations and is involved in training late-term abortionists in San Francisco. So uh, and a paid consultant
1: ahead. for Danco Pharmaceuticals that uh, markets metrics. Don't forget that one. Um, uh,
0: um, there you go. Symptoms <laughs> there you such as <laughs>
1: severe abdominal pain days after a termination can be a red flag for clinicians uh, that patients may need follow-up care. Um, well, the problem I have with this is actually seeing how it works out in the real world. Um, every ectopic that I have seen after uh, a patient had been given a chemical abortion uh, called her abortion provider with pain with complaints of pain afterwards and they were told it's normal they were told we can't get you in for an appointment we don't have any appointment slots so they wait and they wait and they wait until the pain is unbearable or they collapse from internal blood loss and then they come to the er and they get taken care of so it, it's not our ER physician that need to be trained to recognize ectopics. It's the abortion providers that need to be trained to care about them, you know, because they don't, um, they wow. they care about them. Yep. Um, so here, another quote from Dr. Grossman: While self-managed abortion has been shown to be safe and effective, it does include some of the same safety checks for potentially serious complications, such as ectopic pregnancy. Actually, I'm sorry, that's not Grossman. That was uh, the other doctor, Dr. Bashar. So remember, in pushing the FDA to remove REMS restrictions, the abortion industry and the American College of OBGYN said you don't need to do ultrasounds to look for ectopics, because it's not gonna be a safety issue. Uh, now they're publishing... Wow. A- a, you know, self-managed abortion doesn't include the same safety checks uh, for potentially serious complications. topic of pregnancy, uh, and so they're blaming the harm for women that come from missed topics on jobs themselves.
0: On (laughs) pro-lifers. Yeah, yeah. That's shocking, isn't it? So, Dr. Brent, here is, uh, let me bolster what you're saying again here, guys. And guys, let us know if there's any streaming issues. We want to post this on the podcast, so we're hoping that the the stream is coming through okay. Um, This is from April of 2021, Dr. Brent. I had you on the show for episode 104. If you guys wanna go back and hear us say that this was all gonna happen, go back to episode 104. It's called Mail Order Murder with Dr. Brent Bowles. Um, Here is Acting FDA Commissioner Janet Woodcock as of April, 2021, Dr. Brent, uh, who informed the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists in a letter Monday. This is at the time. So this would have been the Monday before April 22nd, 2021. Uh, That her agency concluded, quote, that allowing patients to receive the pills via telemedicine and through the mail will not increase risks and will keep people safe from contracting the virus. Will not increase risks acting FDA commissioner Janet Woodcock as of April uh, 2021. So so this isn't just from, you know, obviously pro-abortion hacks. Um, who, who said it wouldn't increase risk to mothers and now are saying it does. And this is coming kind of from the FDA as well. Um, and so th- to, to respond to those, Dr. Brett, making the very ridiculous, ludicrous case that this is the fault of Dobbs and the pro-lifers who overturned Roe versus Wade, in April of 2021, they were doing this push already. Um, in May of 2021, um, the No, this was, I believe, 2020. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and other abortion supporting groups sued the HHS, remember, in, in 2020 and the FDA with ACLU lawyers to challenge the FDA's risk evaluation and mitigation strategy REMS rule. Then in July, a federal judge suspended the rule requiring women during COVID to visit a hospital clinic or medical clinic to obtain RU486. And then in January of 2021, the Supreme Court granted a request from the FDA to reinstate the federal requirement that the abortion pill be picked up in person during or after an in-person evaluation. And then in April of 2021, they got rid of all of the of the in-person requirements to get the abortion pill. So this happened and was in in works well before Roe versus Wade got overturned. Uh, over a year of this before Roe v. Wade got overturned. And this is what they that's, wanted.
1: That's another example, just a glaring example of the double-minded hypocrisy and that's uh, the, in that time of COVID craziness, they Multiple states, uh, specifically I remember Tennessee and Texas, and I think there were other ones. Um, In addition to shutting down all doctor's offices and elective medical procedures, they ordered abortion clinics to close to reduce the spread of the virus. The abortion industry sued the state of Texas to block the closure requirement for their abortion clinics because they insisted that women needed to be able to come, despite the risk of COVID, to uh, be able to obtain their abortions. But then several months later, when they were pushing the FDA to um, release the REMS restrictions, they made the case that it was too dangerous for women to come to the offices for in-person appointments because of COVID. And they needed to be able to mail the medication to them. So which was it? Was, were, were women safe enough from COVID to come to in-person visits when all other elective medicine was shut down? Or is COVID too dangerous for women to come for in-person visits, so we must be able to mail it to them? Which was it? You know, we, wow. there's no danger, they're saying that they, they wanted to say there's no danger from ectopic pregnancy for women, so we can mail this to whoever we want, and we don't have to see them for an in-person evaluation, but now that Dobbs has been, if some states can regulate it, they want to say, well, women in those states who are going to be dead because of Dobbs, not because abortion was used to treat pregnancy, it, it's just, Layering, wow. Issue. Uh, anyway. Yep.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, he, he, I always say, Doctor Brown. I say, you know, here we are again, complaining about the hypocritical left. You know, and uh, whining and moaning and saying, you know, if the left didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. And it's like, you know, guys, it's funny. You know, I, I make those jokes too. It's okay. But listen, stop complaining, okay? This is a note for the conservative movement and the pro-life movement. Stop complaining that people who murdered babies don't have a functioning moral compass. Stop complaining that those who lie and call the baby an insensate blob of tissue and have been responsible for slaughtering over 65 million human beings um, are, are okay being hypocrites and changing standards. For goodness sake, what do you expect of them? You know, I I swear, we're going to be like in line, being led into the gulags, Dr. Brent, and we're going to be making jokes saying, ha ha ha, where's the tolerant left? Ha ha ha. Uh, Stop. Okay. They know they're hypocrites. It's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy. They have power. They have had the reins of power in most of the American institutions for a long, long time, and they wield it effectively. Of course, they're going to change the standards and the rules because they're in power and they can do it. They're gonna turn a blind eye to anything that compromises their power. So just like accept that, guys, get used to it and ask yourself, what are you going to do about it? Um, if there was ever a time to start getting political, um, it would have been, well, <laughs> 10, 20 years ago, but uh, right now in this final sprint, it feels like and fight for freedom. Um, this is not the final iteration of the abortion industry strategy and the culture of death. Uh, but what we are starting to reach some of the final iterations. Um, we, uh, we had uh, Mark Houck on the show uh, the other day. Uh, Dr. Brenner. we're gonna be releasing that episode shortly after his trial on Tuesday, today being Saturday, January 21st. Mark Houck is the pro-life Catholic dad and sidewalk counselor um, who the FBI almost broke down his door and arrested in front of his seven children. Um, because of a interaction with a Planned Parenthood escort the year before who had been yelling obscenities in his son's face and Mark said back up, he didn't back up, so Mark pushed him over. He fell on his butt, he got up, he was fine and none of the local authorities wanted to to, to punish Mark and they didn't take up the Planned Parenthood Escorts case. They said, this is ridiculous. Uh, Next thing you know, Merrick Garland starts his revenge against all the pro-lifers and conservatives who denied him a seat on the Supreme Court. And they arrested him, brought him back that afternoon. It was just the Leviathan flexing its tentacles. Um, And and so they're gonna come for us all. And this is kind of a scary next uh, iteration of the abortion industry's plan, which is to just saturate the country with deadly abortion pills and enrich themselves in ways they never have before. So we just need to say that and say that clearly so you guys understand the larger plan that's at work right now. Uh, But Dr. Brent, thank you for for covering these new articles where the left is suddenly admitting what pro-lifers said and now trying to blame us when they ignored our warnings in the first place. Um, uh, Dr. Brent, any final comments? And then if you guys have a pressing question, um, in regards to this conversation, turning pharmacies into abortion mills and places of death, uh, we can cover one or two questions if you have a pressing question. But uh, Dr. Brandt, as, as an OBGYN and a medical professional, do you have any closing thoughts and specifically advice for pro-lifers? And I can, I, I guess kind of really the, the Republican Party, the pro-life movement writ large, those who can actually do something um, against this.
1: Your comment. In about being politically active and how doing that we're 20, or 20 years late we're 50 years late uh, you know you've pointed out before that Francis Schaefer said you know that abortions are open with the permission of the church um, because we've always been asleep on the issue uh, and too many people have um, and again just to, just to remind everyone who may have gotten uh, have joined us uh, after the this uh, recording started. We oppose induced abortion because each and every one ends the life of a living but not yet born human being. Uh, but what you and I are talking about is outlining the hypocrisy and disregard for women's safety that the so-called advocates for women's rights, uh, that what they really have uh, there, the truth that they will ignore, and not just ignore, but actually distort and deny and lie about. Um, so it—it it is, abortion is never safe for the unborn child. You know, it's the only so-called medical procedure uh, that is intended to end a life. Uh, you know, medicine is supposed to heal and say extend life and improve quality of life, not end life, that's not medicine, that's murder. Uh, But for those who are on the fence or in the middle or think that, you know, there are reasons when it should be done and it should be available, you need to think about the truth of what it really does to women even if you don't care about what it does to the living but not yet born human being that dies in every abortion, take a look at what you do care about, which or what you should care about, which is the safety of the women involved. Um, interestingly, the one, one last writing before you take any other questions. Um, one of the um, references that I pulled in looking at this, um, you know, was a reference written, a different reference, but it was an article uh, that talked about the safety of not testing women, not, you know, seeing them in person, not verifying gestational age, and not doing ultrasounds to rule out ectopics. Um, was written, one of the primary authors was Dr. Elizabeth Raymond, uh, co-author of the paper you and I have discussed many times, the Raymond and Paper that falsely promotes the fiction that abortion yeah. is fourteen times safer than childbirth. Uh, so, um, anyway,
0: well, there, oh, you, there go. you go. Wow, thank you. Another example of of conflict of interest. Um, well, thank you, Dr. Brent. We had one question here, and, and then we'll we'll leave it. I think it's important because this is scary stuff for people who are wanting to get into. Um, being pharmacists, just as it's scary for people who want to become OBGYNs, right? When, the, when uh, last fall, Dr. Brent, the Biden administration was trying to amend this civil rights act and code, basically, to um, make pregnancy a condition of sex so that they could go after pro-life OBGYNs who don't want to perform abortions under pregnancy discrimination lawsuits. So the same thing now is true for would-be future aspiring pharmacists. Um, So what would you say to someone who wants to become a pharmacist and now is being scared of being forced to provide the pill? Um, How would you encourage them and what would you say to them?
1: What everyone, every healthcare provider, whether you're a physician, a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, a nurse, um, a pharmacist, whatever it is that you do in healthcare, you need to be concerned about the left's push remove all conscience protections from federal law. Um, Currently there are solid legitimate conscience protections that prevent any entity from coercing health providers into participating in abortions and the left has consistently opposed that and during the Trump years there was actually a a court case the DOJ had against a hospital in Vermont that forced a woman, a nurse, to participate in an abortion. And they had the hospital dead to rights. Um, what happened yep. after the Biden administration took office, uh, they withdrew that uh, prosecution in the hospital. So they, yep. they want to remove all those restrictions. And that is one reason for anyone who's a pro-life healthcare provider, no matter what your role is, To be politically active and aware and uh, pressure those who are, you know, there are plenty of people in the Republican Party who aren't just, uh, they're also pro-life and they need to feel some heat, Uh, need to know that this is an issue, that they just can't, that can't be a negotiating point it can't be something that's ignored or forgotten uh, that the conscience protections that have been in federal law for decades need to remain and they don't need to be eroded so that we can continue to have health care providers in the United States of America who actually care about health care for everyone uh, so uh, right. be active be yep um, don't give up on a career that you know, is the focus of your dreams because of this one thing, uh, but don't miss any opportunity that you have to make a difference in the issue.
0: Yeah. Yep. And, and don't give up your convictions and be ready to, be, to suffer for having those convictions. I, um, so for if you're looking to be a pharmacist and this stuff scares you, I don't know what to tell you except welcome to the Leviathan welcome to the size that that beast can grow when good people do nothing. And the Capital C Church in America and those who call themselves Republicans have for decades been apathetic, have been bickering amongst themselves and failing to provide a political vision for the country that is compelling and to unite with those who differ on third and fourth tier issues to protect, fight for, and contend for those first tier issues and rights, while the left will siphon off and ignore any other tangential disagreement they have to unite together under a common banner anytime their core sacraments are compromised. Um, Boy, could we take a page from the left. Um, As my pastor Rob McCoy says, why won't we do for good? What the other side so zealously does for evil. So uh, this is a so somber, so sobering uh, live stream and podcast episode. Um, but welcome to the culture of death, and welcome to what's happened uh, because we've abdicated our duty in the public square for so long. So time to wake up, guys. Dr. Brent, thank you for joining the show today. We appreciate your expertise as a medical professional. Right, I was told to follow the science, and yet they don't. They don't seem to want to follow the science provided by people like Dr. Brent, because they're pro-life, which you tell you is was never about science but ideological uniformity. And if you won't fit into the cogs of the wheels of the party, you will be thrown out into the secular humanists' utter darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> and this is another example of that. Thank you guys for joining today. Uh, we will be using this as a podcast episode, so if you're listening now, um, this is probably on the podcast as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time, Dr. Brent, Seth Gruber, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Peace.